Welcome, everyone. You're listening to Truth in Christ Radio, a Bible teaching radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Rochester with Senior Pastor Rob Kellogg. But notice what verse 4 is. Verse 4 is the reason, and perhaps the main reason, that he's exhorting them to contend for the faith. It's like a cause and effect. Verses 3 and 4. Because here's the problem. Verse 4 is the problem. And it's this. Ungodly men have crept in unnoticed, and turned the grace of our God into lewdness, and deny the the only uh, Lord God and our Lord Jesus Christ. That's the problem. And here's the desired effect. Here's the, um, the thing that's supposed to happen. To contend for the faith. Today on Truth in Christ, our scripture says, For certain men have crept in unnoticed. In part, this is what makes them so dangerous. They are unnoticed. No one noticed that they were dangerous. They didn't wear a danger false teacher name tag. These certain men probably claimed to be more biblical than anyone else. They may have been hidden to some believers. But as far as God is concerned, their condemnation was marked out long ago. Their judgment is assured. The truth will win out. Our responsibility is to be on the side of the truth. Now let's join Pastor Rob for today's study. And one of the men got up in front of all these children, a bunch of young, impressionable, formidable minds, and he says to them, I really don't think that Jonah was swallowed by the whale. He said, I think that's just a story. That's just a children's story. I mean, there's some people who believe in that kind of thing, but he says, but I don't believe it. He said, a lot of the the, um, uh, parables are just stories. They're not real. I mean, there's some that were were Jesus, but, but Jonah, Jonah was one man that Jesus said was a real man. And yet this man undermined the faith of all these young people. He'd much rather tell them the story of Jonah let me tell you about a man who went in a little boat and he went across the Mediterranean. The wind started to rock and roll. Next thing you know, they threw him out. You know, and, and you know, tell the story like it's just a, a story. That's what we're up against. That's what's happening. And may God help us that we always stay true to the word and, and pray for me too, that I wouldn't be seduced by any doctrine of demons. And there are plenty of them out there. The only thing, the only recourse for not being deceived is, is being in the Word of God. That's the only remedy. There's no Cliff's Notes version of it. You just have to get into it. It's a relationship, right? It's a relationship. God wants to have the relationship with you. Whatever you have, He wants it to be better. Do you want it to be better? I believe you do, because if you're here, you want that. You want that to be better. And really pray about that. Say, Lord, I want, I want that. I want that, Lord. Please help me. 
But later on in, in 2 Timothy chapter 4, the, Paul's very last letter, I love what he said. He said to Timothy in 2 Timothy 4 verse 6, he says, I am already being poured out as a drink offering. This is right before Nero, Caesar Nero, would cut the head off Paul. He would execute him. And Paul, I believe, knew his time was short because he said it. He says, I'm already being poured out as a drink offering and the time of my departure is at hand. I have fought. And there's our word again, contend. I have fought. Notice he exhorted Timothy, fight the good fight. And now Paul, at the end of his time, he says, I have fought the good fight. I have contended for the faith. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Finally, there is laid up for me. Wow. Finally, there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give to me on that day. And not to me only, but also all to all those who love his appearing. Isn't that awesome? You know, sometimes I forget. I think we, we can forget. Maybe not you, and maybe not anybody in this room, but it's worth take, talking about because this message is not just for us here. This is going to go out over a radio at some point. Or the potential for... Hundreds of thousands, even a couple million people are going to be able to hear. We need to contend for the faith. And it's not just defending the faith and being able to speak concerning it, but it's also putting it into practice. Why would anybody want to hear what we have to say if we are not demonstrating it ourselves? You know, it's like the parent who says to their teenage son or daughter, "Um, stop smoking, stop smoking, Sally. And then Sally will look up, but mommy, you smoke. And daddy smokes, so I'm going to continue smoking. But when the parent says, you know what, this is my last pack today, and they crumple it up and they throw it in the trash, and they go through the withdrawal symptoms and strangle everybody in the house, they, uh, (laughs) now the children are looking and say, wow, they mean business. I can do this too. It's expensive, it's killing me. I'm going to do it as well. Usually no one will follow unless they see the example. And who is our greatest example? Who is the prototype? Jesus Christ, the righteous, the Son of God, the Son of the living God, God the Father, the Almighty God, the everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. That's who he is. He's the prototype. Let's live that life that Christ died to secure for us. So much so that we can, you know, we can look at, if you remember in John chapter 15, uh, Jesus talking to his disciples in that upper room, just hours before he would be wrongfully accused and taken. He says, I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. Literally lifts up. That's what it means, not take away. It's like lifting up. Any vine that, that is in me that does not bear fruit, it's lifted up. That's literally what it means. It's lifted out of the mud, propped up with a rock so that the sun can hit it. That's who you are and, and we are if we are not uh, abiding in him. Or every branch that doesn't bear fruit, he wants to encourage that. And notice, and every branch that bears fruit, he prunes. So what? What's the purpose of that? So that it may bear much fruit. If you're a, if you're a farmer, you know that. You prune the branches so that more life can come when it is bearing fruit. And he says, you are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. Abide in me and I in you. And as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. And Jesus says, I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. For without me you can do nothing. Have you ever tried to prove that wrong? (laughs) I have tried to prove it wrong. Lord, I can do something without you. I can breathe without you. Watch this. 
It's not true. Even our very next breath is a gift of God. He says, if anyone does not abide in me, he is cast forth as a branch and is withered. And they gather them and throw them into the fire, and they are burned. But if you abide in me, and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire, and it shall be done for you. By this my Father is glorified, and why? That you bear much fruit, so you will be my disciples. I love that. Bearing much fruit. See, that's the the desire of the heart, and the heart of the Lord for you, and for me. That we would bear much fruit. Not just fruit, but much fruit. More and more fruit. That's what he wants. Everybody smile. I know this is kind of heavy. Just smile really big. Thank you, Jane. Yeah. Thank you, Pastor Mark. Thank you, Paulo. Thank you, Kathy, my wife. Yeah, everyone smile. It's it's, it's a good thing. It's a good thing. In Hebrews chapter 4, beginning in verse 14, it says, Seeing then that we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens... Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. Again, that's just, he's our prototype, isn't he? He's our example. Seeing then that we have this great high priest who has passed into the heavens, the Bible says that he ever lives to make intercession for us. So how important is it? And even as we are contending for the faith down here, the Son of God is not just sitting back being fanned with an olive branch or a a palm, palm branch. No, he's interceding. That's what he said. He's praying for you and I that we would contend, that we would give, that would be strong. Isn't that what he said with, for Peter? Peter, I've prayed for you. Even though the devil is going to sift you, I've prayed you, prayed for you. And when you've recovered, when you're converted, he uh, minister to your brethren. Right? Notice that we are not alone and without compassion and grace from God. He's, he's very compassionate. But notice in our text this morning, in verse 3, he says, Beloved, I was very diligent to write to you concerning our common salvation. You know, and then at the end there, contend earnestly for the faith which was once delivered. It was once delivered once. The faith of Jesus Christ was delivered, notice, once for all. The truth of who Jesus is, of what he did, of all that he taught, is non-negotiable. It's non-negotiable. We shouldn't add anything to it, and we certainly shouldn't subtract anything from it. Teach it. Often, over and over again, it never, ever is futile or a waste of time to read the scripture. The Bible says that his word will not return void, but it will accomplish everything that he has set forth for it to accomplish. It will accomplish. And sometimes, and you know this to be true, sometimes you can read the same passage for years. And this happens to me to this day. I'll be reading, I've read this passage over and over again, and all of a sudden the light bulb goes off. And I'm like, oh my. Don't you just love that? That's the way it works. It's living. It's not like a... John Grisham novel that you read once and toss it. No, there's so many facets to this word of God. It's like a multifaceted diamond. And even that's pale in comparison to what it really is. Multifaceted. So many angles, so many things. And whatever you're going through in your life, you can read a different passage and it's going to hit you a different way. It's going to minister to you a different way. And you're going to be like, I can't believe this. But that's how wonderful the word of God is. Notice in verse 4, he says, For certain men have crept in unnoticed. And we're going to finish up in this verse and we'll take communion. We're not going to get to verse 11. 
For certain men have crept in, notice, unnoticed. They've crept in. Certain men, not all men, but certain men have crept in, unnoticed, who long ago were marked out for this condemnation. Ungodly men who turn the grace of our God into lewdness and deny the only Lord God and our Lord Jesus Christ. Do you see the Trinity in that too? Or do you see two-thirds of the Trinity anyway? Deny the only Lord God and our Lord Jesus Christ. Underline those two. They're two separate things. That's two-thirds of the Trinity right there. But notice what verse 4 is. Verse 4 is the reason, and perhaps the main reason, that he's exhorting them to contend for the faith. It's like a cause and effect. Verses 3 and 4. Because here's the problem. Verse 4 is the problem. And it's this. Ungodly men have crept in unnoticed, and turned the grace of our God into lewdness, and deny the the um, deny the only uh, Lord God and our Lord Jesus Christ. That's the problem. And here's the desired effect. Here is the, um, the thing that's supposed to happen, to contend for the faith. The exhortation is to contend for the faith. And see, men have crept in. Uh, the men that did, they were imposters. They were libertines. They were apostates. A libertine is really nothing more than a person who freely indulges in sensual pleasures without regard to moral principles. That's what a libertine is. And an apostate is a person who renounces a religious or political belief or principle. And it was happening back at the time of Jude, and believe me, it's happening a lot now. Because there's a lot of people who like to hear people like Joel Osteen. There are a lot of people who like to hear Benny Hinn. And they're making money, man, let me tell you. These guys all have multiple jets. People are eating it up. They love to be lied to. But see, grace should never be interpreted as meaning license to continue in immorality. Anyone who does so does not really understand grace. And instead of being humbled and submitting to God's grace, they see it as a means to continue in their sin because, after all, God's going to forgive. Yeah, God can forgive. He can forgive the, same, the person who has committed the same sin over and over again. If you confess it, he can, he'll forgive you. But don't ever use that as a license like these men who've crept in unnoticed. They, they, they're sensual, and, and their desire is to destroy. But Jude tells us, that long ago, the prophets have foretold, these ungodly men, they are going to be condemned. If they don't turn from their ways, they will be condemned. And they will be sent to hell. They will not be in heaven. It's up to God who those people are and who are not. But the Bible also says you'll know them by their fruits. In Romans chapter 6, it says, Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Because that's what the message is for some of these guys. Let's really exercise this idea of grace and let's just continue in our, let's just be free. Let's just love each other in whatever way, whatever way that manifests itself. It's okay. Just love each other. After all, God's a God of love. And they justify their immorality, their sensual pleasures, and they even use scripture to do it. These men will stand before God one day. And if they are not born again, it's going to be a quick slope. But these, these men who creep, who creep in unnoticed, says long ago were marked for this condemnation. This is not speaking of someone who is a believer and is struggling with an area of sin. So don't feel condemned here. But rather someone who is an unbeliever who wants to undermine and destroy the faith of Christians. They were prophesied long ago. And let me just read a couple scriptures to you and I'll give you 
the, the references for the others. You can look them up yourself. Two of them in the Old Testament and two of them in the New Testament. First one is in Isaiah chapter 8, beginning in verse 19. Isaiah says, And when they say to you, Seek those who are mediums and wizards and whis- that w- who whisper and mutter. And God's reply to that is, Should not a people seek their God? Should they seek the dead on behalf of the living? And yet there are Roman Catholics today, and again, I'm not here to bash a Catholic, but there's, the, the doctrine needs to be corrected. There are Catholics here uh, that, that, that do this, and other denominations that pray to dead saints. They pray to saints, and they pray to Mary, who is in heaven. They pray to her as if they can twist God's arm. They venerate the patron saints. And why won't they seek the living God? God is denied when we trust in and pray to the dead and lesser things. And we can pray to Jesus because guess what? He was crucified, he died, but he ever lives. (laughs) So we can pray to him and it's good. Amen? So that's a good thing. But notice also in Jeremiah chapter 5. Let's see here. Let me just give you that verse. Jeremiah chapter 5, 11 through 14. And also 2 Peter chapter 2, verses 1-3. through 3. Let me just read that one for you. It says, Peter's speaking, he says, But there were also false prophets among the people, even as there will be false teachers among you, who will secretly bring in destructive, or in the King James, damnable heresies. I love that word. It just sounds so good, even though it's so bad. Destructive heresies, even denying the Lord who bought them. What are they doing there to begin with? Why are they standing behind a microphone in a pulpit if they don't believe in Jesus Christ and they claim to be a minister of God? It's kind of like a contradiction in terms, isn't it? (laughs) It is. And many will follow their destructive or pernicious ways because of whom the way of truth will be blasphemed. By covetousness they will exploit you with deceptive words. For a long time their judgment has not been idle and their destruction does not slumber. In other words, the hammer's coming the hammer's coming. Also check out 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verses 6 through 12. And I'll just read one part of this. And it says, And with the unrighteous deception among those who perish, because they did not receive the love of the truth, that they might be saved. And that's really what it comes down to, is not receiving the love of the truth. Do you love the truth? Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes unto the Father except through me. It's a one path. It's a narrow road, and it leads to Christ. And, and everyone is welcome on that path. No one will be turned away if their heart is right and they want to get on that path. No one will be turned away. It doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter if you know, the, the most wicked sins that you ever committed. It doesn't matter. If you confess them, you are in Christ. If you confess them and put them under the blood... But bad doctrine produces bad character and wicked actions. That's why it's so important for us to be in the Word. Because if our doctrine is wrong, if we don't, look, if we don't rightly divide the Word of truth, the, the Bible, if we don't rightly divide it, you can't just take one thing and isolate it. You've got to know the whole thing. That's why it's so important to get through the Bible. That's why the reading plans are so necessary. It gets you rapidly through the Bible because as you do it, you're going to see the whole thing in context. And all of a sudden, when you read things, it's going to jog your memory about something you read. And you put all these things together, and then you have the mind of God for that particular thing. But don't isolate one thing. You might get in trouble. And see, that's what the cults do. They isolate one thing. 
That's like that prosperity doctrine. They've isolated that one thing in John's epistle. And they've built a whole foundation of a multi-billion dollar thing around that one verse. And it was never meant to be that way. So how important is it to compare Scripture with Scripture? It's absolutely necessary. So get through the Bible as quickly as you can, and then spend some time alone and read it. Amen. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. And that's really why we take communion together. It's not just something we stick on the calendar and some kind of rite that we just kind of mindlessly go through. I hope it never becomes like that for us. But just to, uh, Jesus to do this often is in remembrance of me. And just to be reminded of the price that was paid. It wasn't the blood of a man. It was the blood of Almighty God. And, 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 Lord, and, and he shed his, his blood for us. His body was broken. That's why you look at the, the matzah and you see the, uh, the, the marks on it. And you see the holes in it. I don't think they meant it to be that way. But it's kind of indicative, really, of the stripes that he took as, he, as they took that flagellum across him. And as they pierced him with the sword... And with the nails that held him there, suspended between God and earth and heaven, you can see the holes and the lacerations, even in the bread. And then the blood flowed. Not just the blood of a man, but the blood of Almighty God. The only atonement that could be made for man. The blood of Jesus prophesied hundreds of years before, a couple thousand actually, going all the way back to Genesis 3.15. The seed of the woman. So, Father, we take this bread and this cup in remembrance of you, knowing what it signifies to us, Lord. And as we take it into our mouths and, and into our stomachs, God, we pray that your word, the very life of Christ, would just take place in the innermost part of our being, Lord. And we pray that you would set your anchor deep within our soul. Lord, that there'd be nothing that would be able to move the ship any longer. There'd be nothing else that could move us from that place of dependency and trust in you, in your word, Father. So have your way with us, Lord. Thank you for this. And we take this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. What a blessing, huh? I know that was kind of a, you know, Jude's letter to me is kind of, um, it's not one of those really feel-good sort of things. I, I don't think it was meant to be. And it's interesting that his real desire was to, first, was to talk to them concerning the common faith, but found it necessary to encourage them to contend for the faith. And he gives the reasons. And verse 4 is a, is a good reason. Next week we're going to finish this letter. I know we spent a lot of time on those first four verses, but the theme is so important for us today, especially. And so um, be encouraged this week. Abide in Jesus and let him abide in you. And don't be discouraged. Um, let's stand together and let's pray, and then we'll, uh, we'll end our time together. Heavenly Father, we, you know that, Lord, um, these things are, are, um, can weigh on us, Lord. A lot of things this morning, perhaps, that kind of hit home, and, and certainly were challenging to me as well. But, Lord, I pray that you would lift us, Lord, that you'd lift our heads, Lord, there's no greater joy than serving you. There's no greater God than you, Lord Jesus. You are the creator. You're the sustainer. You're the healer. You're the great physician. You are the door. You are the way, the truth, and the life. You are all of that and much, much more, Lord. And so we surrender our hearts and lives to you, Lord. Pray that you'd be with us, Lord, the rest of this day and all throughout this week until we meet again on Thursday.
Lord, please anoint our teens. Anoint these young people, Father. And pour your spirit out upon them and upon us. And we pray for your continued provision in all things. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you. I'm sorry. That's all the time we have for today. But please join us next time as Pastor Rob continues our study in the book of Jude. Calvary Chapel of Rochester is located at 2503 Browncroft Boulevard, Rochester, New York, 14625. You can reach us at our church office between 9 a.m. and 4 p.m. Monday through Friday at area code 585-586-3140. If you would like to have an audio CD of today's message mailed to you in its unedited form, simply mention today's date when contacting our church office. You can also contact us via the web by logging on to www.calvaryrochester.com. There you will be able to access a number of useful things, such as information concerning our beliefs, our ministries, contact information, our location, service times, and much more. You can also download or listen to the radio and sanctuary messages free of charge from the teachings link at the top of the page. To listen to Calvary Chapel of Rochester Sanctuary messages or Truth in Christ Radio on your mobile device, just subscribe to both through Google Play and Apple Podcasts. You may also join us on Sundays and Thursdays through live streaming of our services and Bible studies. Just click on the online services link. We're so glad that you could join us today. And if there is any way that we can bless you in your walk with Jesus Christ, please don't hesitate to call our church office. Remember, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And for this cause, I have come into the world that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. May God bless you in abundance today as you walk with him. And until next time, this has been Truth in Christ.